another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. We've got a really exciting one today. Yep, this is, I guess this is my interview debut. I got to speak to Jody Stevens of the band Big Star. Um, I guess the thing that you hear a ton of people say is that like Big Star inspired all of my favorite bands, and that is 100% the case here. I mean, you know, yeah. you know we, we had Tommy of The Replacements on as our first guest, and they're a huge one for me as well, but you know, they are one of the more obviously heavily inspired by Big Star. But, you know, they're one of those bands that, I, you know, I didn't know about them at all growing up. I found out about them in college and was like, how have I not already been listening? Like, mm-hmm. it was a band that I immediately realized was one of my favorite bands the first time I heard them. You know, they have, like, a, a really small catalog, you know? They were only around for a few years. Um, so they put out three records, one of which never even was really formally released while they were a band, and... Um, yeah. But the other thing is, they put out three amazing records, right. and they never put out a bad one. Yeah, so. that's true. The first one I ever heard was one called, uh, well, that is commonly referred to as Third. Um, doesn't really actually have a title. The band never picked mm-hmm. a title. The band never picked a cover. It just came out after the project dissolved, and, the, and there's not even a sequence, track listing sequence that was decided on, so there's a bunch of different versions of it. So it's mm-hmm. this record that's extremely as far as like the production or i guess like the uh the packaging of the record is like super scattered you know there's not a set in stone track list and all of that stuff yet somehow it's super co- like it feels super cohesive and like a yeah. perfect record even though it's by all by like you know your standard definition it's kind of an incomplete project um you know what we could do we could uh randomize the order of the tracks and just listen to every possible order of the tracks and we could determine our favorite what the best version, of, this version of the album for sure well that's also you know so that record is you know by far the most experimental record of theirs um and that's the first one i heard so i you know that's kind of that was you know that was where the bar was set as far as like this is what big star sounds like right so when i first heard them i'm thinking you know big black car kangaroo all of the like these songs that are like at snail pace at times but like this like incredibly syrupy um slow delivery but melancholy but in the in a very bizarre way um and i was just like what is this record and then you know and it 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 caught my attention for so many reasons and then i went and you know i was like all right well i'm gonna start at square one let me put the first record they put on or they put out on and that's called number one record such a different record. I mean, that I, one that's is... That's the first one I heard. That one probably one would... If you had to, like, think which one, like, have the most potential for, like, mainstream appeal, um, would be that one. You know, it's kind of... It's, you know, heavily um, leaning on, like, Beatles-esque harmonies and these really beautiful arrangements. And But another thing, you know, the track listing is so bizarre on that. You know, it starts out with these, like, kind of... Uh, more Rock like rocky rocker tunes, you know. Um, they have kind of a '50s vibe to them right. too. And then, but it, it slowly becomes more and more like uh, down tempo and just a like morose. yeah, hundred percent. And then you know, it kind of has like I've heard people describe it as like a little bit of a glimmer of hope at the end with like watch the sunrise. Mm-hmm. But even that song, I mean, it's like prettier and like has a a little bit more of a positive. Um, 
like imagery going on, but it still kind of has a little bit of despair to it as well. But it's just such an interesting record, and that record was the only record they made as a four-piece. Um, and then record number two, they were a three-piece. Chris Bell, who helped them found the band, and he's hugely influential of the sound of that band. He left after that, and they made a record called Radio City. And that one, I, somehow when them like, kind of stripping it all down to a three-piece, it has like a, a much more um, punchy, like, sort of almost aggressive take on it. I feel like that's the that record is the stepping stone to like our modern idea of what power pop sounds like cuz it's got that mm-hmm. that's where the power really comes in. You know like every there's a lot of like real um choppy chords and like the tone is extra bright on it like some sort of like strat or something um but it, it just yeah you know, probably have a treble booster totally on a lot of those licks. i mean and but you know you hear something like the opening chords to september girls and it's just i mean that like that style of chimey chord is just like you know classic power pop sound which at the time you know I found out later, you know, they were opening for bands like bad finger and stuff that makes sense that are kind of like you know talked about in the power pop kind of um world as well um they ever play with the kinks i don't know but they cover the kinks on uh on third he does mm-hmm. uh till the end of the day i think is what the song's called but you know they're just this band that you know if you if you already know about big sorry this is you know we're preaching to the choir but if you haven't heard about them like there's so much mystique to them because they're from memphis tennessee and they were critically really well received there's a backstory to like kind of how they got into the critics um you know into their like world and it, uh, you know created an awareness of the band in the rock critic world um but they just kind of were failure to launch as far as like monetary success or just getting um just being in a position to be out there touring and and they had a lot of uh snafus regarding distribution i mean really in a lot of ways, they're like one of the best bands in the history of time with the worst luck of any band in the, in the history yeah. of time, you know? I mean, they just, you know, they never, and, and when I spoke to Jody, he touched on some of that, you know? Like they, he talks about just the woes of their, of their situation, but how, you know, one of his closing statements was it was a joy to make the art, and it's just um, a nice byproduct that some people have latched onto it and appreciate it and have taken so much from it. Um, later years definitely had a bit of a renaissance um you know sadly this is mostly i mean chris bell passed away when he was 27 um so he didn't really get to see that renaissance and alex chilton i think was for he's the you know for those who don't know that's the the primary songwriter and vocalist in the band um or especially after chris bell left you know he had a kind of hard go at at some aspects of it afterwards too but yeah he had kind of a, a short solo career yeah, well, I mean, in some ways, it was, I guess it was, I think he was working in some regard on solo stuff for a long time, but I think you're right that the, the, the era of him really hunkering down and leaning into it was a little bit shorter. I think it was more sporadic later in life, mm-hmm. but in the 90s, um, you know, after the replacements had championed him so much and all of these other bands, there was a reunion, I think in 93, where they... Um, you know, Andy Hummel, I think, who was the original bassist, he was still around, but he didn't join him for the, for the tour, or at least I believe he was still around at that point. Um, 
Uh, but regardless, you know, they, they did get back together as a, a four-piece. It was two original members and two new members. They were the uh, uh, couple members of the band, the Posies, came in to flesh out the band. So they, they were able to play some of those shows to the fans that may not have known about them in the 70s yeah, who came to love them. Or, yeah. yeah, like for me, I mean, obviously we stood no chance at seeing Big Sorry. If I am born in 91... Mm. Two-year-old me could have seen the <laughs> reunion gigs. Yeah, um, but I, you know, I do feel like I should say at some point that I was in a punk rock band in high school uh, called the Chilton's. I was always wondering if that was <laughs> at all like an Alex Chilton reference. Partially. That's awesome, man. That's Partially. great. I had a, uh, the first I ever heard before I heard Big Star. Uh, I had a copy of High Priest by Alex Chilton. Oh, wow! I played so much. As That's a crazy. Kid. Yeah, I was really. Um, I mean, I was way late to that, so it sounds like you were you were turned on to Big Star mm-hmm. way before me. I didn't I didn't even know who Big Star was though. I only knew who Alex Chilton was. Interesting. Because I mean, I didn't. I guess the internet was around, but I wasn't looking up these wasn't records that I had to see time, who else yeah. they were in, and nobody had told me about Big Star. And then I realized one of the first CDs I ever got when I was very young, probably eight years old, uh, was the That '70s Show soundtrack, and it has September Girls. And a cover of uh, In the Street. Uh, it, that's kind of a go-to for... If, if you think that you don't know Big Star, you definitely know the song In the Street because Cheap Trick covered it as the intro to that 70s show. So, uh, you know, hanging out. Everybody, <laughs> you know that one. Everybody it's just like if you, don't know the, if you think you don't know the Minutemen, you know the song Corona because you've seen Jackass. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the intro to that. You'll probably find that a lot of musicians that you like from the 80s and onward have some kind of connection to Big Star. Anyways, I could talk about them forever. I mean, they're they're a really, really important band to me. Um, I feel like I've been trying to rip them off for years. So it was an it was an honor to to get to talk to Jody and he was super humble and gracious as a as a guest. But yeah, and he, he put out a record with his new project called Those Pretty Wrongs recently that you should all check out. You know, we're probably already running longer on this than we typically do, so I'll, you know, I'll wrap it up. But thank you guys for listening, and this is going to be our chat with Jody Stevens from Big Star. Freaking holy grail for the show, I would say. Hope y'all enjoy it. All right, thanks, guys. Hey, this is Dylan from Comfort Monk. How you doing, man? I'm fine, Dylan. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Are we uh, talking to you from uh, from Memphis today? From Arden Studios in Memphis. That's fantastic, man. That's where I was hoping you'd be. Just feels like the right place to talk to you from. Um, True. So, is there anything exciting going on in the studio this week? I uh, well, we have Van Duran and Vicky Loveland uh, in C Studio. Uh, it's exciting on a lot of levels, but especially for me, because I have a little bit of a history with bands from the 70s. And if you haven't seen uh, the documentary on Van Duren, uh, it's done by these two Australian producers. It's pretty amazing. Well, I'll have to check that out, man. Um, you know, I was just revisiting the 
the Nothing Can Hurt Me Big Star documentary, and it just reminded me of just how magical Ardent is as a place, you know? So much history in that spot. And it's, uh, it is remarkable. I've been going through the client list, uh, folks that have been in the studio over the years, and uh, this location and the location of Ron National, which, you know, National, uh, we the staple singers hits were mixed over there. And, uh, I think, I think some over here as well. And, uh, Led Zeppelin three was mixed there. Um, big star started number one record there. Uh, Isaac Hayes track top buttered soul there. I don't know. James Taylor worked on some of mudslide slim with the Memphis horns, you know, a lot of some stacks work, some gospel work, but then you get here and, it's, uh, I don't know, Jack White mixed uh, Get Behind Me, Satan, the White Stripes record, and the, the Rock and Tours record, Broken Boy Soldier here, with uh, Hampton and Studio A with John Hampton. I don't know, just tons of stuff. Even Journey worked in Studio B. I didn't know that for the wow. longest time. Yeah, I didn't know that uh, one either. I, uh, Three Doors Down did their like 8 million seller um, here, their first record, uh, um, Tragically Hip, did their first really big record here in Studio A. I, uh, it's uh, replacements did please to meet me in Studio B with Jim Dickinson producing. And um, I don't know, Tom Dow did like four or five projects here that Tom was. You know the the uh, part of the original original collective that started Atlantic, uh, and Tom worked with everybody from Charlie Parker and and uh, and Aretha Franklin to to uh, you know some of the British rock guys, uh, Cream for one, I guess. Um, but he, he he Tom worked with Primal Scream in Studio A. REM did Green in Studio A. It's, uh, you know, it, and that Big Star did most of its work in Studio A here at Ordent. And my new project, Those Pretty Wrongs, we worked back in C. So. Yeah, I meant to, I meant to uh, say uh, that Those Pretty Wrongs record is really beautiful, man. I'm, I was excited that that came out and, you know, I just got some time to really give it a proper listen recently. And I really enjoyed that, man. Oh, cool. Thanks. It was, it was a joy to do. Luther's a pretty brilliant musician and and producer and and uh you know it's it's cool we uh, luther and i actually hooked up together in the early 90s and and uh via gary gersh is a and r guy kevin gary also introduced me to john Allen ken stringfellow back then who later you know joined alex and me for in big star in right. 1993 so uh i it's all, but I don't know. Yeah, it's I'm lucky to have hooked up with Luther, and and uh, was a great cheerleader. So he made uh, co-writing songs easy, right? Because you you know there's a certain level of trust built up, and and uh, you know it, it, the best thing is is to never feel self-conscious about throwing out lyrics or, or instru- you know melody lines or whatever, and. Uh, and you and you know you and you move on from there. Uh, that's I don't know. It's it's funny. It's that's how uh, 
Oh, I want to say impromptu, but uh, what's the show? Improv. Improv is all about improv is all about throwing things out there, and nobody ever says no. That's bad uh, because anything negative kind of shuts down that sort of creative flow that's needed for uh, improv, and and that's kind of the that's the relationship that we have in, in writing. It's uh, you throw out ideas and then you improve on those and they could wind up going in a different direction, but you never say that's a the bad idea or no, I don't like that. Or I guess I'm getting off on the wrong tangent. No, I think you've, you've got a good point. And I think that that's kind of a, kind of a common thread throughout your whole career. You know, I mean, even from, you know, number one record, uh, you know, that one might not be quite as experimental as, you know, third, but even even throughout that, there were moments that I caught. You know, when I was revisiting those records recently, where I was like, "Wow!" Like, you know, on the on the back half of uh, "Don't Lie to Me," all of the, there's all this like almost like music concrete stuff going on. There's like all kinds of like wild sounds that are not. I'm not sure what you guys were using for it, but right when everything kind of comes to a, a crescendo, there's like almost sounds like a train and some like just wild noises that, you know, I could see without the, without having that openness for throwing ideas out there, you know, some people might be like, wait, why are you going to throw all this noise in? But it adds so much to that moment. It really makes it, whenever it all crashes back out, it really feels like what is going, what just happened? Like you just got, you feel like you just went, or, you know, your ears feel like you just went through a pretty wild experience and the song would be great without it too, but it adds a lot. Part of that, there there are two. Uh, I, I remember them as being Norton seven fifty motorcycles that uh, that were recorded, <clears throat> and I remember them being recorded in Studio B and 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 you know some of the gas fumes. I, I it's uh, I don't think John recorded them. John Fry, I think Chris and snuck in here with the Norton seven fifties and and. Uh, but then again, he couldn't. He couldn't get rid of the fumes in time. <laughs> yeah. uh, for, not to be, you know, to not be discovered by John Fry. So yeah, I feel like uh, there's a chance that you could ruffle some feathers with him doing uh, bringing in motorcycles into the studio. But I'm glad that he was able to sneak them in and get them on tape. Yeah, um, and that and that pure tone that goes on is an oscillator, just generating a tone, and they're. You know, they're just increasing the uh, the frequency of it, right? The the notes or whatever, and yeah, there's some there's some cool ideas on that. And yeah, it's true. Nobody nobody was looking over our shoulders and and uh, directing what we were doing, right? And so I'm, I'm glad they weren't. I think that it, if they hadn't given you guys the key and let you guys just kind of run wild, I don't know that we'd have. Uh, you know, it just the records sound like they weren't uh, weren't slowed down by the process of somebody breathing on your neck and making sure that you don't do this or, you know, that, you know, just felt like you guys had some freedom and really were able to explore uh, just textures and all kinds of things that really translate great on the record. Um, I was going to ask, you know, speaking of those earlier days, you know, um, I think for, for me, the, the history of your kind of music career that, sort of what I'm aware of at least starts at Big Star, but I'm sure that there was things going on before that. I kind of wanted to pick your brain about what was going on musically in your life prior to teaming up with Alex and Chris and Andy to make those Big Star records. 
Well, I, uh, the most immediate thing would have been, uh, I was in a band with my brother, Jimmy, and we, uh, just a cover band. Uh, and we all auditioned for, uh, the first college production of hair at Memphis state here in Memphis. It's now university of Memphis. And uh, I was still in high school. Uh, but we got, the band got accepted, uh, to be the band in hair. And, uh, and then it was, it, Beverly Kennedy was, was the music director and, and, uh, you know, she brought in Ed Finney and, and, uh, Honeymoon Garner and, and, uh, some other folks, uh, some, uh, Joe Mulheron on trumpet. And, um, so it, uh, so that's what I was into. And, and, and the musical hair, and, and that's what Andy came to see, and that's that's when I met up with Andy again. I hadn't seen him in a few years, and but I'd known him since like I was thirteen. Right. Uh, so Andy said, "Hey, you want to come play with some friends of mine?" And uh, I said, "Sure, that sounds great." Well, uh, man, you know, uh, I just kind of wanted to pick your brain about a few more things, man. Uh, so it sounds like you've got a good bit coming up. I know you guys are doing some, uh, or at least doing one Golden Smog show at First Avenue in April, right? Yeah, that's April 4. I'm excited about it. I hope this uh, coronavirus thing doesn't uh, doesn't continue to grow and, and uh, kind of interfere with that. But, yeah, I hope you know, not at the end of it. Uh, because at pu- big public gatherings, you know, I think they've sold like over 1,100 tickets so far to that show. And oh wow! So big, big public gatherings are, are mm, probably not a good idea if it continues to grow and and spread its presence. So, but yeah, yeah that's it'll it'll be very exciting. I'm practicing in the mornings for it, and there are a ton of songs that probably to look at like 80 songs. Oh yeah, I mean that's a sprawling uh, career right there. And I mean, I know that Golden Smog's sort of a rotating cast. Um, do you know? Is it locked in exactly who's playing in this? In this well, I know. Of the band? I know it's it's Gary Lewis and Mark Perlman from the Jayhawks, Danny Murphy from Soul Asylum, Craig Johnson from One Run Westy Run, and I think and Mark. Yeah, I so so. Gary Lewis, Mark Perlman, Danny Murphy, and Craig Johnson are the core or the core band, and I guess everybody else revolves. and And uh, I don't think uh, Jeff Tweedy's not going to be there, uh, um, but uh, you know they're it's still going to be exciting. Oh, I, absolutely. You know, I, I I wish Jeff could be there. Uh, but it's, uh, there's so, there's so much vocal strength in this band and songwriting strength that, uh, so consequently a lot of great songs and, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's plenty to do. Oh, totally. Um, you know, cause Gary and, and actually Mark Perlman's a songwriter and has a few cool songs and Danny Murphy and Craig Johnson. So. And then I even I, I co-wrote a song with with Gary and Jeff. Uh, so uh, you know we'll we'll have that nice. too. 
Well, I think that's going to be pretty great, man. I, I was excited to see that that was coming up. Um, you know, I guess it was back in, God, I guess it was December of 2018, but I, I made it up to the Cat's Cradle to see the Songs of Big Star performance. And I mean, that was, you know, it was just a room full of super enthusiastic people singing along. I feel like you're going to be dealing with something pretty comparable with these Golden Smog shows. Um, are you guys doing any more of the Big Star Third or Songs of Big Star performances this year i uh i guess well we did a you know big stars third live show here in memphis at the uh crosstown theater and uh that was amazing um the crosstown arts people produced it and and were were generous and and uh providing you know, transportation and uh, hotels and because we have like eight core members that oh, fly yeah. in uh, so that was fun, and it's just, uh, and because of that, it's expensive, and and uh, people really have to want to see this show, and and uh, but yeah, hopefully, it, 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 maybe maybe the most likely place again will be Cat's Cradle, uh, because that's where most of the core members live, and then Mike Mills and I will fly in, and right, uh, yeah, you've got the DBs but, guys there, you know, Chris Stamey is hanging out there, and. You know, Mitchie's yeah, there. A yeah. lot of those people were are North Carolina. Carla Gudez, Carla Gudez, Brett Harris, mm-hmm. uh, Charles Cleaver, and and Django Haskins are all there. So, well, you know, I, I I feel like you guys are you know historically have a you know pretty good bond with those DBs guys, and just uh, it's interesting to kind of see how these North Carolina kids teamed up with these Memphis guys. Um, but I was curious. Back when you were hitting it with Big Star a little more, and and when you guys were trying to get out on the road, did you ever play in North Carolina or South Carolina back then? Oh, in the seventies, no, we didn't. Somebody was trying to recount the number of places we played, and we did. Uh, we did this. Andy Hummel called it the BC tour, and it was Corinth, Mississippi, and Athens, Alabama, some university there, and and. Uh, there was one other city, and we I think we did a couple of places in Arkansas. Somebody said Mountain Home, and I I thought we played like the park in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Um, not a lot. We played probably High Cotton. We played uh, as a I'm, we're talking about four piece. Right. Uh, we played New we played in New Orleans for um, in in the city park. For, it was a political rally, and it wasn't it wasn't you know political party specific. All the candidates came out and and talked, but they had bands as well, and to make sure that the politicians had a crowd, I guess. Right. Yeah. No. We similar things have been happening around here, man. Uh, I mean, some friends of ours just opened for the for the Bernie rally down in Charleston, I think yesterday. Um, so similar kind of thing, you know, just. I mean, I think yeah. it's, it's charming when politicians are uh, at least, or at least someone on their team has a little bit of a finger on the pulse regarding like local um, talent, you know? So it, I, I think that's pretty cool that you guys were involved with something like that back in the day, man. Yeah. I, uh, hell, we didn't know who was running. It was New <laughs> Orleans, but, uh, right. but it was a good, it was a, a, an opportunity to play, play somewhere outside of Memphis and, we actually had a good time in New Orleans. Yeah, man. Nice hotel, great food. Uh, so that was fun. But at any rate, yeah, just a 
it was really just a handful of places. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it can be tricky to get yourself out on oh, the road. But, yeah. To answer your question, no, we've never made it. Well, I was just, the there was this part of me that was like, man, somehow I feel like there was probably some, or, you know, in my dreams, I was like, maybe there was a big star gig in Columbia one day back in the day that I just missed out on, but <laughs> that's all good. Um, but yeah. yeah, I know, I know Mitch and Mitch wound up coming to Mitch East, who's part of Big Stars Third Live as well. Uh, came to Memphis for to to see Alex and Chris Damey, I guess did maybe Chris and Mitch at the same time. I don't know. I forget. I get my stories confused. But uh, yeah, we were we just didn't have a proper booking agent. So it uh, whatever gigs we had were either generated by John King, who was the album promotions guy here. Mm-hmm. who absolutely did a brilliant job of that or uh or we we had a, a manager that was hired on by ardent uh vince alfonso and i think he he got a few gigs for us but All right. well maybe we can make up for uh lost time and get those pretty wrongs here in south carolina sometime we'd love to have you man yeah that'd be great we uh yeah, we do have that run with the Jayhawks, uh, Seattle, Portland, and a couple of dates in, in uh, San Francisco. And actually, we play the uh, Sleight of Hand Winery on our own in Seattle. And then we'll probably do a couple of record store uh, dates, too, while we're, while we're at it. Nice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, you know... I, we also don't have a proper booking agent. We just book all this stuff ourselves. But like I tell people, it's if you've been in the business as long as I have and, and you haven't been a jerk, you make friends and people are you know happy to do things for you. Absolutely, so we're, man. We, we've got a lot of good friends. And Luther has a lot of contacts. And, you know, between the two of us, we can manage to book gigs and have, have, have places to stay with friends. Yeah, that's come. Yeah, maybe not sleeping on a floor. You know, might get an actual bed. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, in this case, we we get beds, and they're probably pretty nice ones. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, yeah. You should come to town. Maybe we can get something going at the Museum of Art or something. I feel like we could we could get you guys taken care of for sure. Um, but we'd yeah, love to. We we we'd love to play. Cool. I'll stay in touch, man. We'll try to make something happen. Um. Well, uh, I know you got a lot going on today, man. I don't want to keep you too long, but I appreciate you chatting with us. And I'd be, uh, uh, you know, I'd be kicking myself if I didn't mention how important your, you know, the music and art you put out into the world is to us. You know, um, and just thanks for making some great art and making the time to talk to us today, man. Hey, I appreciate your interest and in, in making the arts a joy. It's uh, and it's just kind of extra cool for people to for it to connect with people. And but thanks, Dylan, appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Well, I'll stay in touch, and we'll try to get you in South Carolina soon, man. Great. Thanks again. Take care. All righty. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. This has been a Comfort Monk production.